Our gospel reading today is uh, from St. Luke, the first chapter. Uh, Some things to know before we listen to this uh, word of the Lord. Uh, This reading begins with a reference to the sixth month, and we find out what that means later in the reading because this is um, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth, we know, um, was some kind of cousin of Mary, the mother of our Lord. They were fellow kinswomen. They belonged to the same tribe. And do you know um, who it is um, that Elizabeth's going to give birth to? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is Jesus' earthly cousin. And so that's the reference to the sixth month. And that is also what's going on uh, in the life of Elizabeth as we hear um, she who was said to be barren now bears a child. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Many of you are new to our faith community, and it's always a joy to welcome new brothers and sisters to the family of God in this congregation. And for some of you, this whole language of Advent might seem rather peculiar. Uh, The church is different than the world around us in so many ways, Uh, not the least of which is how we mark time. So for the world, the new year begins what? January 1st, right? Midnight. But for the church, we've already started a new year, and that's not with the dropping of the ball at Times Square or the singing of Auld Lang Syne. Our new year begins now with the season of Advent. This season we have now entered into. Advent always takes place four weeks before Christmas, and it literally means arrival. That makes sense, doesn't it? During Advent, we remember the promise of a Savior and the arrival of the Word made flesh in the person of Jesus. That word Advent also can be translated appearance. And that's helpful as well, because we remember at Christmas time and during the season of Advent, our Lord's First appearance as that little boy wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. 
But that same Jesus promised to come again in glory at the end of history as we know it. So for us, Advent is really remembering the first appearance and preparing ourselves for the second appearance of the Lord. So as Christians, we're different than those who we might live near, work with, uh, people we might know and cherish who don't yet know Christ. We're different in so many ways. The world around us celebrates its version of Christmas but once a year. And some say that celebration began on Black Friday, a high holy day for the secular Christmas, and that other festival, Cyber Monday. But we Christians are different. We begin with Advent and the word of the Lord. And we remember the gift of the Savior not only during this holy time of year, But we as Christian people remember the gift of the Savior year-round. Maybe you've heard these words. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. In four short weeks, we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. He was, as we declare in those ancient words from the Apostles' Creed, born of Mary, a virgin, conceived by God's own power. Nine months before the word appeared, Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. And I want us to think more intently on the role of Mary in this great mystery and this great gift and see what we might learn from Mary for the living out of our faith in these days. The angel, Gabriel, comes to her and declares, you have found favor with God and you're going to have a baby. And you and Joseph don't get to pick the name. It's already been assigned. His name will be Jesus and he will reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I want you to forget the image you have of the serene Mary with the halo and all the beautiful artwork and stained glass windows you've seen through the years. What does the text tell us? What does the word of God tell us about Mary? Well, at first she is perplexed. Not hard to understand or appreciate, right? And she's confused. How? How can this be? How can this be happening? I'm I'm a virgin. How can a baby, any baby, be in my womb? I've not been with any man, not one, not even my fiancé, Joseph. And it's Gabriel who gives the answer that addresses her perplexity, that speaks to the confusion that's so easy to understand. And in fact, he puts her heart at peace. Well, Mary... The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you right here in little old Nazareth. Now, how does Mary respond? No longer as perplexed as she once was, she demonstrates this beautiful faith in God. She's trusting in His sovereignty. And she's declaring her willingness to have her life, indeed all her future years, shaped by God's plan, not by her own personal dreams, what she thought her life would be. Here I am, says young Mary. I'm a servant of the Lord. 
So let it be with me according to your word. Now, let's remember and remember it well. Mary did not know everything that would happen over the course of her son's next 30-some years of life on this earth. At that moment, when she submits herself to God's plans and purposes, how could she have known that her precious boy would die on a cross for the sins of the world? She did not know when the angel said, He will be king, he will sit on the throne, that the first crown he would wear would be made of thorns, pressed angrily and hatefully into his flesh. How could she have known that her boy would be rejected by the very house of David from whence he came? You see, Mary, she didn't know everything. But she knew enough. She knew enough that God was with her. And for Mary, that was enough to trust the Lord. So what wondrous, mysterious communication and sharing of information uh, we remember as Gabriel comes to Mary so long ago. We live in a world very different, don't we, when it comes to communication and information, the world wide web, all the search engines, the emails, the texting. And when I was young, my teachers and my coaches, if they thought we weren't paying attention, would shout our name, Bruce, get your head out of the clouds. And now we store information there. (laughs) And every week I get this little reminder on my droid, your cloud is full. So I need another cloud or a bigger cloud. I don't know. What a world in which we live. More information, more technology, and more activities, I think, than our great-grandparents could have imagined. Not that their lives were easy. I just don't think they lived their lives at such a frenetic pace with all the volunteer committees, all the church committees, uh, the electronic calendars that you have in your handheld device, and some of you, God bless you, you're old-fashioned enough to still have a calendar on the refrigerator at home held there by magnets. All the driving back and forth, going to work early, staying late. Those of you with children and grandchildren, going all over town, putting lots of miles on your cars with all those practices for football, baseball, basketball, swimming, choir. We live in an age of so much information and so many activities. And we make plans that fill up our calendars. We, we do what we think we need to do. We do what we think is best. We put our best effort forward to get from here to there, whether it's a project at work or something at school or something going on in our community that needs all of our support. We do everything we can to get from point A to point B, as it were. And we try to do that with some measure of success. You have your plans, your goals, and your objectives. I have my own too. But I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, with all the information we've got and all the tools and all the resources, do your plans always work out in a neat, logical, orderly manner? Do they? Mine don't. 
with all the information and all the resources we have available to us, we still have to prepare for the unexpected. We still have to anticipate the unplanned because we're not in charge. Things happen that we can't see coming. Surprises come our way. Disappointments, too. We set our goals, and sometimes we fail. And then there's others who fail us. Uh, We sin. We fall short of our high and holy calling. And others sin against us. Well, young Mary had her plans. She had her dreams. Joseph would be her husband. And she'd have a simple life as a carpenter's wife in that little, relatively unknown town of Nazareth where they could just live out their years peacefully. But things changed. Everything changed. Everything. And at first, those changes just made her head spin. But in the midst of her perplexity, her confusion, even her fear, she was reminded that God is God. And even though she did not fully understand everything in perfect detail that would unfold over those next 30 years, at that moment, Mary knew enough. Oh, that you and I came equipped with crystal balls where we could see clearly into the future and just know how it's all going to unfold. Then we could plan accordingly. But we don't have those crystal balls and we don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 years. For that matter, do we even know what's going to happen in the next three weeks or the next three days? I know what my Microsoft Outlook calendar tells me I'll be doing this coming week. I have it right there on my droid. I can read it. Oh, but there could be interruptions. Some could be holy. I could be blessed this week in ways I can't even imagine. But some of those interruptions could be hurtful. That's life, isn't it? Isn't that life? Mary had a holy interruption from God's angel Gabriel. Her plans had to change. Her life was changed indelibly. But right there at the start, she was willing to trust that God was with her. And that, my friends, was enough. Yes, we have our plans, you and I. Being organized, trying to stay on top of things, trying to stay focused, you know, that's not just for type A people like me. And if you're type A, you know who you are. And as I've said before, all you type B people who are blessed to live with someone type A, at least someone's in charge. But all the planning in the world cannot anticipate holy interruptions. And you know, order and planning is is a good thing. It's better than chaos. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis and the Hebrew, um, The world is tohu vavohu, and that's what we translate void and formless. And God speaks his word, 
and that which was chaotic, tohu vavohu, takes shape and is given order. So order is better than chaos, but I know that many of you have children and grandchildren who have yet to understand that based on the condition of their bedroom floors and bathroom counters. But order will come to them someday, we hope and pray. But even when we do our best, our very best, to live our lives in some type of orderly, well-managed fashion, those interruptions occur. Some are blessings. And some just take the breath out of us. They hurt. The evil one that the word made flesh came to stomp underfoot. The father of lies, your enemy. He wants you to doubt your place in God's heart. When all the hurtful interruptions appear. When you feel betrayed and abandoned, this father of lies wants you to think that you really are all alone. And when you fail, he wants you to think that you're nothing but a miserable failure. And in the end, it's all up to you, and you're not doing a very good job. And no, you shouldn't trust anyone, let alone God. That's what the devil wants you to think. He doesn't have any new tricks in each and every generation. He wants to trip up God's people, and he wants us to believe his lies. But our God is greater. He took on flesh to prove his love. And our God wants you to trust him. Yes, even though you don't know, and I certainly don't know, how everything is going to turn out. God wants us to trust him so that his grace and love can be holy interruptions in lives that can often seem so unmanageable and lives that often feel like, well, just a real mess. I hope Mary's simple reply to all that was going on around her and then within her can become ours in fresh new ways this Advent season. Here I am. I want to be a servant of the Lord. So let it be with me according to your word. Friends, that is not blind submission. That's not some thoughtless, robotic obedience to some dictator, some careless ruler. Our God comes the distance to us, to love us. We trust God with eyes wide open, knowing that his plans always are to prosper us, to care for us, never to harm us. And how can I say such a thing? How can we know such a thing? Well, because of Jesus. Jesus. Because of the one conceived by the Holy Spirit there in Mary's belly. We can trust God because of Jesus. For God so loved the cosmos, God so loved the world, God so loved you, dear child of his, that he gave this only begotten son so that you who believe in him might not die but have life and have life now and have it eternally. You see, what we remember of that first Christmas 
is what God did in Mary's womb for you. Our God took on flesh and bone and blood that he might fully enter your life and that he might fill your heart and then bring you home. We're all going home because of Jesus. Even when the path seems difficult and the road ahead looks so frightful. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.